Hello, my loves. Um, this may be long and rambly, so I'm warning you right now. But um, I've been thinking about stuff and that I want to kind of share with you all. Um, and um, I actually thought about trying to like write down an outline to help me... Um, articulate this stuff and try to keep this I knew that I wanted to send this voice memo and I was like god if I can't get my thoughts together I'm gonna wander all over the fucking place and but you know what you guys I'm not doing well physically and um I'm having a really hard time I could start crying actually um which will not be new the crying um so I don't have the energy to create an organized talk for you guys so um, this may be super long and you're just gonna, I just listen to it in pieces, you know what I mean? And, um, so I'm trying to convey, okay, so there's a couple of things. So corrective healing experiences, that's the theme. So that's what I want you to, that's the phrase that I want you to have in your head. Corrective healing experiences. So, let's. That's at the. I'm at the whiteboard, and I wrote that at the top of the board. And now, going on to that. So there's a couple things, which is, um, what my sponsees all tend to have in common, which is why they're my sponsee is like me. Um, they are emotionally orphaned so they're not and I know that seems obvious but let me explain what I mean when I say that I had parents that were there um, but they weren't there and um, and so the parenting that every child should get around you know being um, seen and valued, and then being taught, like, here's how you are a human being, here's how you do things, here's how you handle your emotions, here's what's appropriate, here's what's not appropriate, here's what's morally correct, here's what's morally incorrect, like, that didn't happen for me. It was sort of a trial by fire and like I said in my talk, if I wasn't bleeding and on fire and as long as the school wasn't calling anyone, apparently I was doing fine. So the idea of having, you know, a parental figure to go to as a source of love and support and as a way of being valued and seen um, and whose direction I could uh, trust and respect, that wasn't there. So as a result of my upbringing, um, I became very self-reliant. And as a result of either not getting direction or the direction being completely faulty or the just the delusion or just all the craziness of it, um, I distrusted authority because, you know, you distrust your parents, you just trust authority because they're your you know, imprint of authority. And then, so I became very self-reliant and in that I'll handle this myself. 
I can't trust authority, so I have to figure this out alone. Either one, there's no authority there to go to, the abandonment piece, so I have to figure this out alone, or I don't trust the authority to go to, so I have to figure this out alone. Um, I And then in my case, you know, there were all these other reasons where it's like, you know, for me, for my gender role model, my mother, I'm like, okay, I actually don't want to be like you, so I distrust any advice you give me, um, you know, because you're not someone I want to emulate. So I am motherless and emotionally orphaned. Now, consequently, also, I'm part of a family system where it's so fucked. Now, this, I may have an extreme version of this because I've since learned that I do have a bit of an extreme version of this, but, you know, you know, you can still identify, which is that even my extended family, they're not there for me either. So my aunts aren't really there for me, or they show up and then they disappear. You know, um, I'm the oldest child and and an only child for a long time. So there's no, you know, so the point is, is not only are my parents not there, but the thought of like my family or extended family, there's no sense of that. So there's no sense of community. So I am essentially completely emotionally orphaned and I'm alone in the world and Um, I've got no tools for living. I don't have a rule book. I have not properly um, emotionally evolved. So even though I'm physically getting older, I'm emotionally um, immature and stunted. And I also have inherited um, uh, an ism, which you know, some people think is genetic and some people think is a learned behavior. And I think some of it's genetic and some of it is absolutely a learned behavior. Basically, it's like I'm disassociated because um, I was raised by disassociated narcissistic parents. So that's the behavior that I learned. So anyway, so that's how I go out in the world. Then um, the what makes me me is that at a very young age, I hit bottom and I discover recovery. And I go into recovery and I start with therapists and I start very distrustfully um, attending meetings. But I find a, I find a spiritual community which has two things that are very, very important. For me, because I don't trust anyone, and uh, no, I don't. You know, I I feel like I have to figure this out on my own. Not only do I have to, but at this point now, I want to figure it out on my own because I don't trust any other source. So I go to this spiritual community where two very important things: I get to determine my own membership, whether I belong or not. No one else has the authority to do that, and no one has the power to kick me out. So, boom, I'm like, that alone, you know, because no one can tell me what to do. No one's a gatekeeper where I get, I, you know, have to, you know, do some sort of song and dance to prove my worthiness or whatever. There's no membership you know, qualifications or anything like that. It's purely like I decide if I belong and no one has the power to carry me out. 
and everything is like, take what you want and leave the rest. Like no one has any authority to tell me what to do. And that's why that really worked for me. Also, as as you guys know, it was a spiritual program, but it was a spiritual program in the Bay Area, and so no one was talking about God. Otherwise, I would have walked the fuck out. Um, because again, that's an authority, and I had bad experiences with um, living in a conservative Christian town and um, being told my dad was going to go to hell so, at a very young age, and that just did not go over well. So anyway... I, you know, I do what everyone does in the beginning. I go to a meeting. I take what I want and leave the rest. And then slowly over time, I get more and more and more and more invested and involved. As such, um, I start to have these corrective healing experiences. Now, I had therapists who were corrective healing experiences in terms of like mother figures but I was paying them. So some part of my brain was like, you're doing this because I'm paying you. So even though they were, you know, wise women that were giving me counsel, um, I was paying them. And so somehow that sort of tainted it a little bit. But when um, Sela who was a therapist at one time um, and is now, but when I was in a period where she didn't charge me, and she's in AA and Al-Anon, and then when I met Julie and Vicki, who was before Julie, and they were real parental figures for me, and they weren't charging me, and they were genuinely loving me and giving me sound advice and direction. It was the corrective healing experience of being mothered. I also, as you guys know, had um, uh, Betty Mae and Pop, which is a whole different thing. Um, but again, I didn't really, that's a different thing entirely. That's more, that's not the same as what I'm talking about. So yes, they were there, but I didn't call Betty Mae up or Pop up um, asking them for advice or whatever. Be, I just didn't, we didn't have that kind of relationship they were more like my grandparents in that way and that I, you know, they were there and I knew they loved me, but they weren't resources of, you know, emotional support for me. They, they just were a completely different generation and didn't have that kind of emotional intelligence. So, um, so that's why they're not really part of this. Then I come into the community and the grace that I have, you know, we all have, like our parents did not give us anything. Like I have a lot of fucking talent and skills because of my parents. Not to mention the fact that because of my dad's workaholism and drive and ambition, I went to a good school and, you know, went to a school that told me I was going to go to Harvard, Yale, Berkeley, whatever. So anyway, and, you know, we had, I just had that sort of financial entitlement that eventually screwed me over. But, um, but still, I mean, so there were nice things. My mother also is just incredibly socially adept. Her social skills are off the chart. And that's why as an introvert, I have all those skills, not to mention her wicked sense of humor. If you guys ever laugh at anything I've done or said, my mom, that's all my mom. My mom has a sense of humor, not to mention her love of music and dancing and all of that. So all of that comes from, from my parents. So they did give me that stuff. So coming into program and sort of having the character of like 
creating little social communities like, oh, you two should know each other or, oh, let's go out to whatever or, oh, let's do a little group text here. Without consciously being aware of it, what, I, what I'm doing is, is recognizing that the corrective healing experience, yes, it may start with a sponsor because that's what it started with me is you start with the sponsor where it's like, I am now going to have a sort of, if we're lucky, now it takes a while to find a really good sponsor. I'm not going to lie about that. But it, you know, I am going to now start to have a corrective healing experience around having, you know, a woman guide me who I actually respect and admire and want to learn what she has to teach me. Earl H., who, as you may recall, is also one of my total AA heroes. He talks about that sponsorship is, you know, the transferring of one level of consciousness to another. That basically as a sponsee, he goes to his sponsor and they have a level of understanding, a level of consciousness in the world that he, Earl, wants to learn. And so it's really this, his sponsor is teaching him how to see the world and be in the world in the way that he is. And I think that's actually true. And that's sort of what, you know, a good parenting is. It's like, let me teach you how to be in the world. Let me pass my skills on to you. So in that sense, when you have a loving, intimate relationship with a sponsor where you're not, you know, it's not for, you don't have to pay for it. You have to do the work for it. <laughs> you know, it's not totally free, but that's about, that's not about paying for the sponsorship. That's about you saying, I'm in the relationship. You know, I'm invested in this relationship as much as you are. And I want to, uh, I want to create this relationship with you. That's why I'm doing the step work. And that's why I'm following your direction as I'm demonstrating my investment in um, learning what you have to teach me. So that's one corrective healing experience. So you get that. Now the other corrective healing experience is creating, so that's the child to the parent. And the other corrective healing experience is, you know, the, um, uh, what do they call it? The, the family unit or the, they call it something that I'm just blanking on, like the, um, not just family of origin, but, you know, whatever the mom, the dad, the siblings. So now let's get to the siblings. Well, those are your trudge buddies. So those are like your little, like, you know, um, partners in recovery or whatever. You start creating relationships with, you know, people that you're not responsible for their recovery and they're not responsible for yours, but you create this intimate network of support where, you actually get to show someone who you are on the inside. So this is what like a inner family unit is supposed to be. It's like your most intimate core where people see you in your worst moments and love you because you're part of their family. And, and again, a lot of us, you know, had to deal with either very sick siblings or um, siblings who didn't like us or... Um, siblings who were just in their own disease and so or who carried the family um, uh, tradition of you know shaming any vulnerability so we don't have that so now the corrective healing experiences these little 
intimate groups that you guys create with each other, um, whether they're like on little God squads or one-on-one, but you do want them to expand a little bit. You don't want it to be just one. It may start with one trudge buddy, but you want to kind of, you know, risk opening that up um, to little groups. And so then you get the like the sibling corrective healing experience. Oh, this is what it's supposed to be like when your sisters, let's just say sisters, because in OA it's mostly sisters, and then maybe your brother Tom, <laughs> you know what I mean? our token, you know, male, who's our token male because he's such a, you know, he's such an honorary lesbian. But anyway, but it, he's a total merman. But, you know, your sisters where it's like, oh, this is this is what it's supposed to feel like when you have intimate, loving, trusting relationship with other women, like this close, intimate sisterhood. So then that becomes a corrective healing experience where it's like, oh, this is it. But again, you have, you have to show up for that. You have to, you know, put the time in, you have to send a text, hey, thinking of you, you have to respond. You know, I think I tell you like when Father Terry says, you know, in recovery, when they throw you the ball, throw it back. You know, I mean, don't let the ball just drop and don't just sit there holding on to it. You know, throw it back, get in the game, engage. So then that becomes another corrective healing experience, which is very powerful. And that's your little intimate circle, you know, your sponsor and then your little intimate uh, mermaid tribe. And then you can have like, you know, cousins where, you know, they're... um or you can even have stepsisters where it's like, I've got this little intimate mermaid tribe over here, you know, and then I've got this little intimate mermaid tribe over here. And they're both, and maybe they, you know, they don't mix because it's different group of personalities, but they're still equally as intimate because I definitely have that. Um, and, and then I also have like, oh, this is my twin sister. Like we're, you know, we're twins here. Like it's all different. And I love you all the same, but it's different. It's like per- sisters. It's like you have different intimate, intimate levels and you have different, you know, um, you know, like, oh, this is your, you know, sister that you talk about, I don't know, career stuff with. And this is your sister that you talk about, like, you know, child stuff with because you're so in similar place or whatever it is. Or this is your sister that you talk about Christianity with because that's your passion, you know, um, But anyway, so you have that. And then you have, like, you know, maybe your cousins. So then that, the corrective healing experience there is, is that, you know, maybe you see them, you have coffee with them once in a while, or um, you talk on the phone once in a while. And they're kind of like, it's kind of at this point, like, you know, just a time issue, like, (laughs) You know, it's almost like, you know, you're someone I love and I care about and I could tell like you're so part of my family, but I actually don't have any more time for friendships or relationships anymore, but I totally value you. And I'm so happy that we're that we're part of this family together. I certainly have those where it's like, you know, if there were more time in the day and more days in the week, I would love to put more energy into this relationship and I know that you feel the same. 
but there's not. And so we're going to just stay connected by making an effort to talk on the phone once a month or, or just like spend a few minutes after a meeting and connecting or texting each other or whatever. But again, like that cousin kind of thing where it's like, you're in my family. I can tell you're in my family. I love that you're in my family. And, you know, you're not in my family of origin. You know, you're not, you're, I love you and we have time constraints and, but I want you to know that I love and care about you. And then there's like super extended family, like third cousin or whatever. And you're just glad they're in the meeting or you're not so glad they're in the meeting, but you get an opportunity to go like, you know what, this person's part of my family and I'm going to learn a lot about compassion and patience and non-judgment. And you're going to bring up all the reasons why you annoy me are things that I'm ashamed about in myself. And thank you for being my biggest spiritual teacher today. And, you know, like, you know but I'm going to, but what I'm going to do is this is the love team and this is our tribe. So now we're sort of talking more tribe. Um, and I'm, I'm going to totally do, you know, I'm going to practice, um, the mores of my tribe, which is that my job is to um, love and support you and have compassion for you. And then I get to practice having a boundary around you, which is I can love and support you and practice having compassion for you when you're sitting across the room from me. And, uh, and that's the extent of our relationship. So anyway, oh, it's not too bad. It was only 21 minutes. So, so part of the reason why I'm telling you this is like, all right, you know, here's me sharing with you um, that, you know, this is, this is my recovery. And people don't really talk about this. They talk about a life beyond your wildest dreams. They talk about whatever. But it's like, yes, it's going to meet and working the steps and whatever. But it's this corrective healing experience. And the opportunity that is there for you, and, you know, that's my favorite thing to say is and, um, because it is an and, there are a lot of parts to it, and that it requires some investment. Now, I get that for some of you, you're like, Nicole, that's so easy for you to say, you're not married and you don't have any kids. And, you know, and I would say, yes, that's true. But unlike you, I have a fuck ton of sponsees and I'm on the board for intergroup. So I am also equally busy. But this is why there are people like me in all these communities, in the black community, in the gay community, in the lesbian community, in the activist community and whatever. There are people who are at the center, you know, who commit their whole life to something. And then they discover, they're like the pioneers where they discover you know, oh, hey, here's, here's the information. So whether it's a physicist or whatever, and then they share that information and you try to weave it into your own existence. So, um, so even though, so why am I telling you all this? One is to share the information. Like, okay, here's, here's something really important. This is why, you know, the two powers of program are that require healing. So you're powerless over blank. You know what I mean? We're powerless over our ism, you know, and 
Our life is not what we want it to be despite our best efforts. Or we're not fully self-actualized. Like maybe most of it's what we want to be, but there are all these areas that still we're struggling with, which will be the story to the end of time. So, you know, so how do we get the power? Well, there are two powers that we need. We need a, a power, um, a higher power that we believe in, some sort of intimate relationship to a higher power, whether that's, you know, Buddha or Jesus or nature or the spirit of the universe. Um, I think I'm more the spirit of the universe, but, um, uh, but anyway, and then the second thing we need is the power of the fellowship. So I think that's why I am sending this is because I'm articulating exactly what that means, the power of the fellowship. Like, yes, I've talked about this before where you need the power of the fellowship because you need to be able to go to a meeting and reveal your shame to people who will identify. And that creates a healing experience because empathy is the antidote to shame. Absolutely that. But then there's also the corrective healing experience of those. This is more ACOA now around, you know, the family system that we came from. Also, what I've learned in this year of hell that I'm going through is, or the last few years, but this particular year of hell and health is that during this whole experience, I have this divine certainty that I'm going to be okay because of how I feel so emotionally and intimately connected um, to my tribe. It is absolutely giving me the support and strength that I'm like, oh, this is what we were supposed to have. So that no matter what happens in life, this is, you know, again, to use modern parlance, this is what it feel like, feels like to be securely attached. So that I, life is just coming at me from all sides and it is not overwhelming me because I feel so securely attached that, you know, my higher power in terms of the fellowship and in terms of my, my personal belief system is so much bigger than what is happening in my life that I'm able to just show up for it. And, um, yeah, and just maintain abstinence and keep going. And I'm not doing it perfectly, but, you know, I'm really struggling with some illness issues here or some health issues. Wow, it's getting too long. Okay, so um, I just wanted to put that all down there and um, and share it with you guys. As a matter of fact, maybe I'll put this on the podcast so that I can just send it to people. Be like, here you go, listen to this. I'm doing that a lot more lately because um, I'm tired and I'm having to learn how to really economize. Like I want to share all this stuff with you guys. I want to pass it on. You know, that's what my calling feels like is is to just, you know, I don't know, just to be I don't I don't know, just to pass on the love and to teach. Like, oh, here's how those of us who, you know, come from the fear team and uh and place of, you know, um addiction and suffering, here's how we integrate and self actualize and live and become and be the love team. So, uh, yeah. 
All right. I love, uh, I already said I love you guys, but you know what? You can't say I love you guys too much. I mean, honestly, I could just like set up an automatic text thing that just every hour is like, I love you guys. I love you guys. I love you guys. Although that probably wouldn't be as intimate as if I just randomly sent it, whatever. Okay. That's enough for today. And I think I will put this on the podcast and send it out to you guys. And I don't know what I'll call it. So we'll find out. Bye.